you're listening to Prairie Justice, a Greg Sanders Vigilante podcast. Prairie Justice presents the Seven Soldiers of Victory. Howdy and welcome back to Prairie Justice, the Greg Saunders Vigilante podcast, where we take a look at all of the adventures of Greg Saunders, the original vigilante from the 1940s. And in particular, in this uh, edition, we are seeing the vigilante. Uh, He gets to return to his own show uh, as a member of the Seven Soldiers of Victory. Of course, we have heard episodes and we have one more coming up, the Crimson Avenger, of his fellow soldiers as they track down the tyrants of time as summoned by the villainous Dr. Doomy. Or shall I say the misunderstood Dr. Doomy. Sorry, sorry, Professor. Now in Greg's ever-changing cast of sidekicks, Stuff is not here. Stuff never seems to appear in leading comics. This is always an occasion to bring back Billy Gunn. This is also uh, Greg Saunders's third trip back to the West. Normally since uh, his debut we have seen him uh, spooking around like a fish out of water in New York City but lately they've been bringing him back. Uh, In the last uh, leading comics episode he was in New Mexico. Um, In our last episode in Action Comics 51 uh, our last regular episode of Vigilante he was back to his hometown of Avalanche Falls, Wyoming And he's still not far from Wyoming now as he comes into the Black Hills of South Dakota, particularly the town of Deadwood and Mount Rushmore. And this is uh, coming after my own heart because my family and I spent a wonderful couple of days in the Black Hills and uh, staying at Spearfish, Deadwood, Mount Rushmore, Crazy Horse Memorial, Rapid City, and all the great sites in between. So this will be like a comeback home. Only we get to see a little bit of what the, the Black Hills looked like in uh, the 1940s. A uh, little more rustic, a uh, little less paved roads, and a little less touristy. But it still um, is, is keeping up with that frontier spirit. And there's a few people around uh, Deadwood in this story that have never really escaped the, uh, the days of the gold rush. Um... Uh, now, saying that, we've already had Napoleon hunting down gold on behalf of Dr. Doomy in, in, up, in upstate New York. Sorry, the first day of the new lips. And she, she should have been here in the Black Hills. They should have sent him here for gold because that is where you find it. And we'll talk a little bit more about Deadwin and the Black Hills maybe later on. Today, we're going to be looking for the element of tantalum not one of the better known of the elements and certainly doesn't roll off the tongue and Dr. Doomy has sent Attila the Hun for this so first tantalum on behalf of Wikipedia not too much uh, to say about it this time it's a chemical element with the symbol TA and the atomic number of 73 Also known as Tantalium, it is named after Tantalus, a villain from Greek mythology. It's a rare, hard blue-gray, lustrous transition metal that is highly corrosion-resistant and is a refractory metal and widely used as a minor component in uh, metal alloys. Now, the chemical inertness of Tantalum makes it a valuable substance for lab equipment and will even substitute for platinum. So uh, Dr. Doomy is definitely in, uh, into his uh, redundancies here on some of the elements he's chosen. Its main use today is in tantalum capacitators. That's an electronic equipment. Your cell phones, your DVD players, your video games, your computers. Yeah, maybe Dr. Doomy was ahead of his time. 
So when together with the uh, chemically similar ni niobium, I'm going to try that again, folks. I won't stop and correct. Niobium. That sounds better. It occurs in the mineral groups of tantalite, columbite, and coltan. Tantalum is considered a technologically critical element by the European Commission. Uh, first isolated in Sweden in 1802 by Anders Ekberg. And two mineral samples that he discovered in, in both Sweden and Finland. Um, today, you find tantalum mainly in Australia and Brazil. Although it's going to become as a as a rare metal, as, as we start to get more and more hooked to our technology, we're going to find it in other places, such as Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Greenland, China, Mozambique, Canada, yay, Australia, the United States, Finland, and Brazil. So if you don't mind, I'm going to invest in the big tantalum rush. Now, it's going to be rare because they're estimated there are less than 50 years left of tantalum resources. Based on extraction at current rates, demonstrating the need for increased recycling. So your old phones and computers are going to be needed in the next few years if you're ever going to upgrade to new ones. So our planned obsolescence is going to catch up to us. But that's okay because Dr. Doomy is going to use this to go into the far-flung future, not just boring old 2022. And to you do this, of course, he has pulled another of his tyrants of from time, the infamous Attila the Hun. Probably one of the best known of the old-time plunderer dictators, but uh, ironically one of the least known about. What we do know about him is he was born around uh, 406 AD, uh, died around 453, and he was ruler of the Huns. Taking a minute to tell you who the Huns were. They were a nomadic people from Central Asia, the Caucasus, and Eastern Europe. Who uh, basically their heyday was between the 4th and 6th century. According to European tradition, they were first reporting living east of the Volga River. Oh my gosh, this might be more of my ancestors in an area that was part of Scythia at the time. Now, the Huns, uh, you probably have heard this word if you listen, if you read a lot of World War I lore, because this was the name given to the Germans during this First World War, and uh, was used primarily by the British to, uh, as a disparation of their enemy, and you probably would have heard it around World War II at some point in time as well. Um, Attila was the leader of a tribal empire consisting also, besides the Huns, the Ostrogoths, the Alans, and the Bulgars in Central and Eastern Europe, and considered one of the most powerful rulers in, wor in world history. During his reign, he was one of the most feared enemies of the Western and Eastern Roman empires. So we're coming at the, toward at the end of the fall of Rome. He crossed the Danube twice, that's uh, in Austria, folks, and plundered the Balkans but was unable to take Constantinople. Not Istanbul, Constantinople. Why did Istanbul get the works? That's nobody's business but the Turks. His unsuccessful campaign in Persia was followed in 441 by an invasion of the Eastern Roman, or the Byzantine Empire, the success of which emboldened him to invade the West. And when we say the West, we're talking Roman Gaul. That is modern France. Oh, Napoleon's not going to like enjoy hearing that. Crossing the Rhine in the year 451 and marching far as Orleans before being stopped in the Battle of the Catalonian Plains. He also subsequently invaded Italy. Oh, Nero's not going to like that. Devastating the northern provinces but unable to take Rome. Oh, Nero will be happy with that. He planned for further campaigns against the Romans but died in 453. After his death, his close advisor, Arderic of the Gepeds, led a Germanic revolt against Hunnic rule, after which the Huns' empire quickly collapsed. Attila would live on as a character in Germanic heroic legend, and his genocidal conquests are precursors to the Imperial Mongol, 
who we've talked about earlier under Genghis Khan. And it also brings us full forward to 1942 and the Nazis of Hitler, who planned, who named planned military operation after him, after his conquest of the second millennium. And Operation Attila was a plan for the German occupation of Vichy, France. It was drawn up as a war directive just in case um, the Vichy French had rejoined the Allies or if the Allies became a threat to the south of France. So, lots of connections here in amongst these real dictators. And as the Star Spangled Kid said in episode one, he's got a thing about little corporals. Napoleon, Hitler, and all of these other clowns that have uh, caused some of the great calamities and genocides of Europe. So, we're learning some history in our leading comics, I hope. And so now let's, uh, let's catch on to Attila the Hun as he finds himself in the Black Hills of South Dakota and face-to-face -face eventually with the masked uh, visage of the Vigilante and Billy Gunn. And naturally, legendary eras are going to clash as we all meet the spirit of Wild Bill Dixon. The Vigilante by Mort Morton and Cliff Young Take me back to the Black Hills, the Black Hills of Dakota. Deep in the Black Hills of South Dakota, where the American freedom is enshrined in eternal granite, Attila the Hun strikes with medieval savagery for the rare radioactive metal tantalum. So vital to the evil ambitions of Dr. Doomy, but... The valiant vigilante, mystery rider from the land of the Purple Sage, lashes out against the fiercest of the time tyrants with swirling lariat and swinging fists. And there, where the Indians believed their ancestors' spirits dwelt, finds an unexpected ally. The Black Hills, where strange legends survive, and a weird old fellow hides from the world in an ancient cabin. There goes the pack train with all the valuable metals from the mine refineries. In the old days, they'd have to look out for bandits. There's the old coot who calls himself Wild Bill Dixon. As the pack train winds its way across perilous ledges, I'll bet he's dreaming of the days when they were bad men around. Attila and his marauding Huns, as terrible today as when they sacked and pillaged Europe 15 centuries ago. Suddenly, death to them! I, I'm seeing things. Die, weakling! Why, you rotten murderers. Now I shall split you like a pig! If I have to die, I'll go this way. And Attila has completed another successful raid. The Tantalum is ours. We have only to lead the beasts and their burdens out of the mountains. But the fighting is not yet ended, for fading eyes have witnessed the whole action. I don't know what sort of critters they be, Clarabelle, but I'm sure gonna find out. There they be, Clarabelle. We'll ambuscade them. As the Huns round a huge boulder. Grab for the sky, you buzzards. Death to the old one. Easy there, you fool on a mule. You want to get massacred? Ha! Huh. The beast prances with fear. He's wiser than his master. The terrified animal lunges back from a deadly sword thrust. Consign you, Clarabelle. Look what you've done. What, little donkey? You do not like my steel? A pity of weapons were not swifter. What matter? The rocks below are as deadly. Few men indeed have fallen from these treacherous heights and lived. 
But the pack train guard is luckier than most. What a break, landing in a deep pool. Poor Ed. If he'd only jumped instead of letting that killer slug him. Anyway, I found out that crazy old hombre isn't as harmless as folks think. I'll head for Deadwood Gulch and tell the sheriff. The Western Limited discharges passengers at the historic town of Deadwood Gulch. No, Mr. Billy Gunn of Times Square, you're really out west. Wild Bill Dixon used to be sheriff here. Great Gila monsters, it's better than a cowboy magazine. He's the vigilante. The newcomers join in excited gathering. And the old boy must have signaled, because a minute later the gang jumped us and killed Ed. On the upper trail, eh? Well, I'll raise a posse. Looks like Attila the Hun beat us to the punch. Ain't we gonna get Bronx and join the posse? Hay burners are too slow for us. I brought a gas-eating Bronx along. It's down at the depot. Minutes later... Don't say nothing. If we smash up here, I'd rather it came as a surprise. Compared to a Bronx, this is a rocking chair. Look, Vigilante, ain't that a burrow? It is. And it seems plenty interested in something down there. If you ain't partners of them vultures that robbed the pack train, get me up out of here before the buzzards work up an appetite. The buzzards are gonna go hungry, old timer. The lawman's lariat snakes downward, and in a matter of seconds. Now you're safe. You're sure handy at roping, stranger. You saved my life, and Wild Bill Dixon thanks you. Did, did you say Wild Bill Dixon? But he got killed in Deadwood 66 years ago. I ain't explaining, stranger. I'm tired of being laughed at. You can take my word for it. But if you're looking for the robbers, they went that way. Queer old galoot. Don't seem to be worried about the posse. Probably he can prove he was innocent. It's funny, Pop. But he looks like pictures of Wild Bill Dixon. Meanwhile, the posse men ride furiously on the trail of the men from the Dark Ages. And the first arrest was made without difficulty. My trigger finger's etching for them varmints. We ought to string them up where we catch them. And the first arrest is made without difficulty. You're under arrest for robbery and murder. You're making a mistake, Sheriff. I tried to catch the killers, but they got away. He claims he's Wild Bill Dixon, which proves he's lying. Uh, oh, hold on, boys. There, there's a law against lynching. Law don't reach this far into the Black Hills. Throw a noose over that branch, and we'll do the same to your partners when we catch him. But I never broke the law in my life. There's no stopping the boys now. Who is this graybeard who wears the name of a long-dead hero and fought fearlessly against three-to-one odds? Will the anger of the posse men condemn him to an unjust death? We shall discover the answers presently, but first... A barbarian leader meets the giants of American history. If only to remind me that I'm really not alone. Oh, South Dakota mornings I have known. Attila strikes in astonishment at a group of colossal sculptures. These must be the idols of their land. Their mountainside presents an imperishable granite, the likenesses of Washington, Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt, and Abraham Lincoln, 
America's leaders of democracy. What if the great deities are displeased with us? What can stone images do? Have we not flaunted idols before and come to no harm? Indeed, the sculpture seemed to bring luck to the plunderers. Uh, behold, men pursue us on a strange steed. Then the idols are our friends, for have they not shown us our enemies? They follow with the speed of the wind. But they shall be dashed to bits against this barrier. Unaware of the deadly trap, the crime-smashing duo roars full tilt toward peril. No sign of them yet? It won't be long now. This is Mount Rushmore, almost at the edge of the Black Hills. Suddenly... Look, Fitch, the road is blocked. Slap on the brakes. We can't stop. We're goners for sure, unless... A mighty wrench at the handlebars, a screeching of tires, and the motorcycle streaks towards empty space. Hang on, Billy. There's nothing to hang on to. Like a flashing meteor, machine and riders plunge into a dizzy abyss. Thanks, but I think we still got one chance in a million. The hissing lariat guided with unerring skill. Noose is a projecting corner of granite. And... We made it by George. By George Washington, you mean? There go Attila and his men, climbing down to make their getaway. There's probably a truck or a plane waiting below. I'll take a shortcut. Superstitious fear chills Attila for the first time as a grim figure of vengeance swoops downward. But this man is dead. The idols must have sent his ghost against us. It was of this I was afraid. Bet I'm the hardest hitting ghost you coyotes ever met up with. But Attila and his men-at-arms are stalwart warriors, and for a moment it seems that the Vigilante is doomed. Not even a ghost can withstand Attila's steel. The bellow of a six-gun saves the day. Yippee! I ain't spent all these years running a shooting gallery for nothing. A strange procession winds its way back over the mountain trail. Step lively, you tarantulas, or I'll tickle your heels with lead. We should be meeting the posse somewhere around here. A minute later... We delayed long enough. Slap the horse, let's giddy up. The vigilante dashes forward. Stop! This man fought the killers. He's a hero. So what might have been a miscarriage of justice becomes a triumph for a lonely old man. F -f Friend, where's your story? Let's let bygones be bygones. You blamed idiots. I don't know as I ought to forgive you. Me, I will, if you remember this. I am Wild Bill Dixon. My uncle was the famous Deadwood Sheriff. And I was named after him, and I'm sick and tired of having folks say I'm crazy. The lynching spirit, once aroused, is hard to put down. Anyhow, we can string up these bushwhackers. For once, however, Attila holds the winning hand. Attila shall never hang. This magic rod given me by Dr. Doomy in his Long Island Tower shall take me and my men back to happier days of loot and pillage. Again, a renegade scientist's genius foils the laws of time and space, and likewise the laws of man. Jumping jackrabbits! They've evaporated! I'll swear out warrants. I'll, I'll wire the FBI. They're 1,500 years ahead of you, Sheriff. As for the man who was almost hanged, he's got the name. He's the image of his uncle, and he's chock full of the fighting spirit of the original Wild Bill Dixon. 
What are you going to do about it? I I'm going to ask him to be my chief deputy vigilante. Now you're showing good sense for a change. Bad news travels swiftly to the secret stronghold of Dr. Doomy. This is terrible! But it mustn't go to pieces just because the vigilante outwitted Attila. The Hun wasn't brilliant. He was only strong and ruthless. There's still the coldest, cleverest villain of them all, Nero. If he seizes the uranium, I may yet be able to project myself into the future. But if Nero fails also, I may have to flee backward into time. Not to the Ice Age, though. I hardly think I'd get along with the mammoths. Right high with the vigilante in every issue of Action Comics. This is an imaginary podcast, which may never have happened. The Shortbox Showcase. But then again may have. About a father and daughter. I'm Professor Allen. And I'm Emily. Who came from Ohio and talked about comics. Identity Crisis. Lone Wolf and Cub. Hergé's Tintin. White Tiger. It tells of their rise to glory, when the great guests were yet to be booked. I didn't know this was going to be the Jimmy Olsen hate podcast. It's always the Jimmy Olsen hate podcast. And the great feats of editing not yet performed. Ultraman, this is Ultra 7, this is Ultraman Jack, and this is Ultraman Taro, and this is Ultraman Leo. And this is Ultraman... Of how they spoke at length. When I read a comic, story comes first and art comes second. Continuity is really the brainchild of nitpicking nerds the world over. Those are our people, Emily. And reviewed in brief tales that explore creatively the bounds of a given character's history. Superman has basically the same relationship with Wonder Woman that he has with Batman. Of brilliant creators before their fall from grace. This is the era where Miller is at the height of his creative and artistic powers. And the ability of strong writing to encapsulate and transcend its time. Flash of Two Earths by Gardner Fox. This is an imaginary podcast. Aren't they all? Shortbox Showcase is part of the Relatively Geeky family of podcasts. Check us out on the web at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search in iTunes for Relatively Geeky or Shortbox Showcase. And remember, we're not experts. We're just family. And now my notes and thoughts on this story, The Spirit of Wild Bill Dixon. Now, as I start to talk about Deadwood and the Black Hills, I'd just like to say that I am in no way a employee of HBO, although I did once uh, do a contract job with them. So uh, I, we are not going to doing this to meaning to advertise the television show Deadwood, but naturally in the success of that show, it's... It's going to come to our mind, and you will probably hear the strains of that in behind the uh, story that we've just heard. Uh, just a few thoughts on uh, the general tone of the story as we get in here. And yes, it's fantastical. we got a Hun fighting cowboys in the Black Hills. Uh, why not? Because comics. It's, that's what makes them fun. Uh, but the portrayal of uh, Vigilante, when he goes back to some of these western towns... Uh, we saw a little bit of this in uh, his hometown in Wyoming. Although these towns do have a Western traditions going back to their origins in the 1800s, I just have to say, you know, it, it's not like they are stuck in time. Uh, you know, the, these towns have, have caught up with the technology of, the, of everywhere else. And sometimes when I look at some of these stories that are written by authors who maybe let's just make a generalization that they are from the East or are not familiar with the art of the West, even though they've probably read quite a bit about it, they probably don't have an, an understanding that uh, these towns do have and these areas of the West have had a progression, even though there are people naturally, hey, I was born here and grew up and grew up uh, we have computers and vehicles just like everyone else 
but we also do have people who still wear cowboy hats from time to time. I wear one on my job, but then I work at a museum, so it's part of the act. And, of course, uh, I'm, it's not too hard to throw a rock and not uh, find people who are horsemen and still are in that, that tradition, particularly when it's a cattle raising area. So when I see some of this thing in uh, Deadwood, I've, I'm of two minds. Because yeah, it's kind of neat to see this uh, that these areas still carry this, uh, you know, the cowboy tradition. But there are courts of law, and I don't want to say that there are lynch mobs and posse's. All of you know, there are always people everywhere that will always have this. Uh, this sort of mind and we're going to see this and it's going to be interesting what we see because we're going to be see vigilante fighting vigilantes in real life here or in comic book life shall we say so with that we're definitely going to be in the black hills and we're going to go from deadwood down to the area of mount rushmore which is near rapid city south dakota and that's a stretch of 49 miles now, if you go there now or you have been there, you know it is a kind of a big tourist trap. Everything's paved. You can drive pretty much anywhere. Uh, back in those times, um, those probably would have been rough roads, and you probably would have seen pack trains of mules and horses going in and out of mining areas and into rural areas as well. Uh, the roads would have been trails and subject to you know, uh, what what roads do when it rains and such. Uh, they become mucky and and of sorts, and you've got a lot of, uh, of high inclines. And at that point in time, even in the 1940s, it's probably just as easy to ride a horse down to Mount Rushmore from Deadwood as it is to try to uh, putter down there with a the pickup truck and probably not make it. So I think it's not out of sync to see the sort of scenes that we are here. Let's just remember, though, it's comics, and hey, we got a till of the hun here. <laughs> Deadwood, as I said, owes its existence to gold. Uh, now, if you want to go further back than that, the uh, Sewer Lakota indigenous people first got into the Black Hills around 1776, about the time the United States was being found. Uh, raiding in from the east, um, you know, from the forests of Wisconsin, Ontario, and Minnesota. And by 1868, they had fought a protracted war with the U.S. government, and the Treaty of Laramie granted the Lakotas um, the reserve of the territory of the Black Hills. Well, that lasted about as long as it took for somebody to find gold in there, and that was only less than five years. In 1874, prospectors were found in there on an expedition by General George Armstrong. Custer, you've heard that name. And Custer, stupidly, instead of reporting this to the government, told the reporters. And the next thing you know, by 1876, we have a town there, um, particularly on Sioux and Lakota land, being exploited. And it didn't take long until the uh, the, uh, the the Sioux Wars, so-called Sioux Wars, that ended with Custer's death very famously, pretty much took the Black Hills away from the Sioux and Lakota. And they're still a very contentious issue amongst the Sioux and Lakota who are now over on the Pine Ridge Reservation east of Rapid City. And that's all some very interesting and some very tragic history behind the Black Hills. Now, originally known as Cougar Mountain or by the Lakotas, the land of the six grandfathers, uh, Mount Rushmore be took its name from a, I believe it was a local uh, land investor who would come in there and prospecting and hunting trips and just joked that somebody should name the mountain after him and then some fool did. And there it is. Now, in 1927, a project was begun to carve a national memorial into the side of this mountain with congressional approval under the Calvin Coolidge administration. 
and it would take until 1941 under FDR for its completion. So when we're seeing this, this is a a newly completed mountain, or at least as complete it was ever going to get. It was originally supposed to be carved with legends of the Western ex of Western expansion, including Lewis and Clark, Sacagawea, uh, Red Cloud, mm -hmm. Buffalo Bill Cody, and uh, Lakota Chief Crazy Horse. But Gustav Borglum, well, he was an interesting character. He decided it should have been presidents and it was apparently him that insisted on the four presidents that we've got of course George Washington Thomas Jefferson Theodore Roosevelt and Abraham Lincoln in that order from the south and by the way these presidents don't face west as most people think they actually face east now with the many statue controversies that have come up over the years it uh, certainly was no surprise to find out that Borglum was a bit of a white supremacist and not a bit of a white supremacist he was an actual member of the Ku Klux Klan and in fact he had been involved in sculpting Stone Mountain uh, near Atlanta Georgia Georgia which was a uh, monument to Confederate leaders and we're not going to go into that uh, debate here but it does have its uh, detractors it is now part of the National Park Service, which operates it and has several thousand visitors per day. And you can go there. All you really have to do is pay eight bucks for parking. At least that's where it was in the time that we went there in the late 2000s. Um, it's, an, it's got some awe. It's wonderful to see. But while you're in that area, you should also go down to the Crazy Horse Memorial which was started by one of Borglum's sculpt, uh, sculptors. Even as Rushmore was being completed, Polish sculptor Korczak Zielkowski began a project uh, in uh, concert with the local Sioux Nation who had actually talked to Borglum about putting Crazy Horse originally on Mount Rushmore. When that didn't work out, uh, Lionel Standing Bear of the Sioux Nation approached Zielkowski and asked him to begin work on a different mountain. And that started in the 1940s, just after the uh, completion of Rushmore. And the work goes on still. It has no federal funding or no any mandate other than from the... Uh, from the Sioux Nation, or the Lakota Nation, rather. Uh, when Zielkowski died in 1982, his wife Ruth took up the, pro the project, and along with his children and his children's children, they have built uh, several museums at the site which are funding this project, and it's ongoing. Uh, when it's done, it's going to show Crazy Horse actually mounted on a on a horse uh, and with his index finger pointed in the same direction that the Mount Rushmore presidents are pointing. So if you ever make that trip, um, see both sites. Uh, what you do elsewhere and the many tourist traps of the Black Hills is up to you, but you owe it to yourself to see both mountains. And uh, latest photographs I've been seeing the Crazy Horse Memorial is really beginning to take shape. After it's been a long dream of the Zielkowski family. So I am, as I said, I am not an employee of HBO or the South Dakota Tourism Commission. So let's begin our examination of Wild Bill Dixon, who is an old man, of course, the sort of a bearded old man that lives down in the area, and he apparently. Uh, has a legend in the Black Hills. He's down there in a, in a shack with his burrow. And there seems to be some packers that are taking the tantalum ore out of the area. And uh, they know Dixon only by legend. Well, these packers are attacked by, guess who, Attila the Hun and his Mongols. No gangsters. The Hun's got his own people with him. 
And I have to say, Meskin really draws the Huns and uh, Taylor really well. Uh, of course, the old uh, unfortunate copper skin uh, complexion, but we really don't know what Attila's complexion was anyway. He could have been from anywhere from the Ural Mountains to East Asia. So they attack the pack train, they kill one of the packers and throw the other one into the drink. But not before Wild Bill Dixon comes in and is going to arrest them. Well, he's a long-haired, bearded old man from the mountains. And uh, he, his burrow, of course, spooks uh, long before they can engage. And it seems seemingly throws Wild Bill Dixon over the cliff. And, of course, this is where we also notice that the other packer has fallen into a creek and um, has survived and is going to go fetch the sheriff up in Deadwood Gulch. And in Deadwood, we meet the sheriff, a nameless sheriff, who looks a little bit like my Alberta Premier Jason Kenney, and I treat him with the same contempt, uh, who is meeting Vigilante and Billy Gunn as they get off of the train, along with a posse of some very interested people, who are a bit roused when uh, one of the Packers comes in with his story of being robbed by, not by Attila the Hun, but by Wild Bill Dixon. And that gets the town riled up over this, uh, this legendary character that nobody seems to know whether he exists or not, but only in Deadwood's own history. Now, as, as you can tell, I'm a geography nerd and a bit of a history nerd. So it has to tell me that what is this sheriff of Deadwood? What is he actually representing? Well, since 1876, the sheriff of Deadwood would have represented the county seat. Uh, sorry, uh, Lawrence County as a part of the state of South Dakota. And railroading in the area began as the Deadwood Central Railroad in 1888, uh, bought out by the Chicago, Burlington, and Quincy Railroad in 1893, and then eventually became part of the Burlington Northern Railroad, which abandoned uh, the service into Deadwood in 1984. So uh, we probably still have this service going in 1942. And by the way, there is a historic steam train line running through the, uh, the Black Hills that you can ride when you visit there as well. I can't tell you the name of it, uh, the company at this point in time. Now to get another department out of the way from our regular Vigilante stories, what color is Vigilante's hat today? Well, Vigilante's hat is yellow. Very odd color for a hat, but that maybe tells me since we're in the summer of 1942, perhaps he's actually wearing a straw hat. I'm going to go with that. Well, Vigilante doesn't think much of Sheriff Jason Kenney, so he uh, pulls out his gas-eaten bronc that he's brought with them, and that happens to be uh, have unloaded down at the railway depot and he and Billy uh, go down into the hills and what of course do they find but a mule off by itself staring over a cliff when they look over the cliff well there is an old man and it's Wild Bill Dixon hung on to a branch uh, by his gun belt so that has at least kept him out of the bottom of the canyon. Well, Vigil and Bill help him up. Um, he explains that he's Wild Bill Dixon. Now that catches Billy Gunn by surprise because he's a bit of a history nerd himself. He reads all of these old uh, True West, Old West, Frontier Times type magazines. And he knows that Wild Bill Dixon was killed in Deadwood 66 years ago. That's a historian for you. He always has those facts and figures ready to plunk out. So he's basically told Wild Bill Dixon he's not who he says he is. Wild Bill just kind of harumps and turns around and says, I'm tired of being laughed at and I'm not explaining anything to you. 
Well, the next thing you know, uh, Vidge and Billy Gunn head off in, in their own direction and part ways with Wild Bill. And that's too bad because the next people to run into Wild Bill is the Deadwood Posse and old Sheriff Kenny. Well, pretty soon there's another rope around uh, poor old Wild Bill, and that's around his neck, and the other end is around a tree. Yes, we got ourselves an old-fashioned lynch mob, folks, and Sheriff Jason Kenny is basically uh, protests just enough to tell people that uh, he's not responsible. That is definitely Premier Jason Kenny. But he uh, basically stands by. Well, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. There's no stopping it. By the way, if you're a Canadian in Alberta, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, just what is this mystery of this wild Bill Dixon? Is this a ghost? Are there, is our Deadwood Posse going to hang a spirit? So, what's going to happen here? Well, just about this time, Attila comes upon the new project of Mount Rushmore and he's staring up at the hills basically in awe uh, against the sight of the mountain back into the moonlight it's a pretty faithful representation too and considering as I said this was a new project I don't know how much uh, popular media there was about this but there must have been some some referencing that me that Meskin could go to probably National Geographic at the time. Uh, this is actually where Billy and uh, Vigilante hook up with the and they're ambushed by the by the Huns I should say. I almost made a mistake and said the Mongols. And when Vig can't stop he goes right over the top of George Washington's head. I'll talk about that a little later and bike and all go down to the bottom uh, sort of down to where George's uh, breast pocket coat is now and uh, good old roping Vidge he manages to rope uh, another limb so that he and uh, Billy are able to swing to safety I love the uh, what Vidge says, we made it by George, and Billy replies, by George Washington, you mean. Now, a little bit on that, uh, I don't know how Vidge ever would have got his bike up to George Washington's head. You can get onto the ridge, onto Lincoln and Teddy's head, but George's itself is kind of stands out on its own. You can actually see George's head, or at least the back and the sides of it, before you get to Mount Rushmore as you approach it from the west and south. But Mort Meskins is not counting on you knowing that just yet. Um, Vidge manages to... Oh, Dave McIlvaney, he uses his spurs again, but this time some of the Huns get it right in their face as he swings off of that branch. So uh, he's not getting out of a death trap with this one. Now Attila's Cutlass is about to do a Hassan chop on a vigilante's head. But Billy Gunn, of course, brought his shooting iron. And remember, he runs a gallery. So uh, he's a good target shooter. And he does the old TV cowboy trick of shooting the sword out of Attila's hand. Well, it doesn't take long before Billy and Vidge have uh, the Huns in hand. Or at least in uh, one giant lariat loop and are making them walk along because remember the bikes in pieces down at the bottom of Mount Rushmore now a few minutes later they happen upon because this is happening simultaneously as the posse is uh, is dealing with Wild Bill and just as they are slapping the horse Vigilante takes out the Vigilante's plans by shooting the, the rope you know, this is probably one of the first times we have seen Vigilante actually use his six guns in a very long time. And finally, old Sheriff Kenny, he comes out of the woodworks and wants to let bygones be bygones with Bill Dixon. Yeah, yeah, once your job is done, yeah, come in and take the credit. You so-and-so little skunk politicians. <laughs> 
Finally, Wild Bill explains himself. He is not the original Wild Bill. His uncle had been the Deadwood Sheriff way back when, and he was the one that was killed that Billy uh, Gunn remembered about. This nephew was named after him, but he's still sick and tired of having folks say I'm crazy. Now, the posse is having none of this. They're going to hang somebody tonight, and they take a look at Attila and the Huns. Well, these Klingon characters, they're having nothing to do with this posse, and Attila basically pushes his escape button that uh, all the rest of the time tyrants have used, and uh, they zap out of this reality and back to 1,500 years ago. Right now, Jason Kenny's going, oh, oh, I'm going to wire the FBI. You know, how come you couldn't wire for the FBI when they had a, a posse when you were leaving town? How come you couldn't telegraph them then? As you can tell, I'm tired of fat little pork barrels named Jason Kenny that, that look like this guy. But he's going to save the day by deputizing Wild Bill, and Wild Bill takes him up on it. And Bill, I hope you supplant this little turd someday. And now we're back to Dr. Doomy, who is watching the, uh, a woolly mammoth in his projector, tearing what's left of his hair out. But he's still got the coldest, cleverest villa of them all, and that's the Roman Emperor Nero. And Nero has uranium which is going to be very much in the news during this World War II years. So that, folks, is a summation here of the uh, spirit of Wild Bill Dixon and also my 2007 family summer trip to the Black Hills. So thanks for your patience in all of that. Next, we're going to see Nero take on the Crimson Avenger and Wing. So wait for that in a few days' time. Bye everybody. Tom, <laughs>